Hi guys, in my last episode, I briefly touched upon direct cash transfers in the United States. It popped up the question in my mind on why we didn't have universal cash transfers in our country. So that's why I chose universal basic income. Universal basic income, commonly called UBI, is the concept that every citizen in the country is guaranteed a level of income by the government regardless of their financial status. There are various versions of universal basic income which for simplicity I am breaking down into pure play UBI and threshold based UBI. So pure play UBI is a fixed amount paid to every registered citizen in the country regardless of their financial status. So if India was to distribute 10,000 rupees to every single person in the country, India's UBI would be 10,000 rupees. The other type of UBI is a threshold based UBI, which is a cash transfer to people who are below a certain level of income. For example, below the poverty line in India. So an example would be a 10,000 rupee transfer to anybody earning below say 15,000 rupees. Now, Moving forward, I will be talking about the case of Manitoba in Canada. So in the town of Manitoba in Canada, a group of economists ran a social experiment. They paid every family in Manitoba an annual income of 16,000 Canadian dollars for those below the poverty line, which is roughly 8.8 .8 lakh Indian rupees every year in today's money. And they ran this experiment for four years. Remarkably enough, they uplifted the people's standard of living. The number of people hospitalized fell by 8.5% over a period of 4 years as alcohol-related accidents fell, mental health improved and the number of children who completed their high school education increased as parents started sending students to complete their education rather than to work in farms and factories. On the financial side of things, banks were more willing to give loans as people had guaranteed incomes to pay these off later. Human capital improved massively in Manitoba as businesses increased with time and more people completed formal education. I stumbled upon this article from the BBC about the Canadian case a few weeks ago and this led me to read up on UBI and led me to ask an extremely important question. Can India implement a system of universal basic income, whether it be pure play or threshold based, can we do it? And to break down into India's policy, I have with me today Mustafa Rajkotwala. He's a law student at Nalsar University of Law, Hyderabad, with a special interest in public policy research. So Mustafa, tell us something about UBI. So from a global perspective, the concept of a guaranteed income or a minimum income or a basic income transfer has been discussed in centuries now. Historically, it was first mentioned in 1516 by Thomas More in his book called Utopia. Since then, there is enormous literature, various economists, politicians, bureaucrats, they've all been discussing and deliberating on the merits of implementing such a framework. But, I mean, obviously there have been experimental runs in a lot of countries around the world, but no country till date has a full-fledged universal basic income framework for their citizens. Now, getting to the Indian perspective, 
the first time when the idea of a minimum guaranteed income was mentioned was when Jawaharlal Nehru spoke about it uh, in 1938 as part of uh, a national planning committee back then he spoke about providing this minimum income to every citizen in order to help them to progress in life after that officially the first time when this concept and its possibility of any implementation was discussed in a chapter that was published by the economic survey of india in 2017 so mustafa what was the economic survey of india saying about the universal basic income so the 2017 report looked at the fundamental idea of how universal basic income would look like and how would it be executed and it laid this very basic idea this basic structure of how such a payment should be and it was divided into three parts so it was as follows the first is universality that everyone should be paid a, a, a certain amount irrespective of what their status is second unconditionality that there should be no prerequisite or attached condition such as a means test or a threshold test which anybody needs to follow or anybody needs to pass in order to achieve that payment and the third is agency that once paid the government would not have any influence or the government does not dictate on how that income has to be used it's entirely upon the individual on how they want to use their income so mustafa what you spoke of right now is quite theoretical in nature i mean have we had a practical test or an implementation of the universal basic income so yeah, before this entire idea of universal basic income was encapsulated in the 2017 report a few years back in 2011 there was a test run which took place in the state of madhya pradesh with universal basic income and this happened when unicef had come along with this non-profit organization called seva where they did this pilot program where they gave unconditional cash transfers to eight villages in the state and once they gave those transfers they recorded how the results uh, followed after that and what was seen was that there was a positive improvement in the people's basic living conditions there was an overall reduction in child labor there was improvement in child nutrition there was an improvement in purchasing of resources such as cooking fuel sanitary requirements there was a reduction in overall debt so the results were pretty successful after that experimental run took place mustafa we have a ton of schemes right like the public distribution system uh to distribute food and non food items to india's poor at subsidized rates we even have schemes like the jandhan yojana uh which along with other state welfare schemes has really helped financial inclusion so why do you think we need ubi so the government does have a lot of established targeted schemes for people in the country which were category they fall under if they are under the poverty line or they are unemployed etc etc but what these schemes actually do is that a lot of times because of policy or bureaucratic loopholes those that are deserving of the the income transfer they do not get the same and most of the times the way these schemes are categorized a lot of people that are actually deserving of that uh, income transfer also do not get the same 
So if we have to look at the universal basic income framework being established in the country, this from the perspective of the poor people, liquidity in their hands would increase and this would allow them to pay for goods and items which do have, let's say, a high marginal utility, but the state or the government does not consider those to be important or essential in nature. So let's say, for example, I'm purchasing clothing, warm clothing when it is winters. The government does not consider that to be essential under their distribution system. Uh, or, I mean, I can take a more contemporary example, uh, sanitizers or face masks. I mean, they're not in, in exactly essential goods which would be distributed free of cost to people that are deserving. So if I have an income transfer instead in my hand, which is uh, fixed in nature, so at least I know that where I'm spending my money and I'm not losing out that money because of any policy or bureaucratic loophole. Um, so Mustafa, uh, you seem to be a proponent of the universal basic income concept. But how do you think this will benefit us? I mean, is it worth the structural and the implementational headache of doing a direct cash transfer to the billions in India? basic income would act as an economic insurance against shocks. This income cash transfer would potentially allow citizens to better their lives without any government interference. And this would help uh, people in poverty to elevate themselves and improve themselves in a much better fashion. I mean, I just think it will make labor really unproductive and it will act as a demotivator to work. I mean, uh, the internet is filled with articles which will tell you that the universal basic income literally destroys incentives to work. So, what's your response to that, Mustafa? Because if you're looking at the aspect of people that are already privileged, they're already earning an income, they're already employed. Now, if they're given a fixed income every month, this would just make them complacent and not want to work. But I see this on a flip side, actually. I feel that this income transfer would give them this strong backup of sorts. It would give them an added financial stability, which would then improve their overall output. They would want to go and pursue careers which they actually care about. So there'd be a much better labor matching as well. So yeah, I just see this more as a significant enabler rather than a disabler. So is the pandemic or the post pandemic really the right time to do a universal income transfer? I mean, the post pandemic world in itself would be destined for recovery, right? Because our growth at the moment has pretty much bottomed out. So in a gradual way, we would be moving towards recovery. I mean, we have no way to go, but to go up the ladder. So don't you think a universal basic income just increases your fiscal deficit and your debt burden? So obviously, if you have to look at practically implementing a UBI right now at the time of a pandemic, I think it's more important to realize how we got there. I mean, we can't really run the risk of letting things go downwards and then building plans to go back up. It's kind of like we need an autopilot for our systems. So obviously, implementing such a policy would be a great precedent for such a time. But we have to also see that how our systems are going to be built strong enough to hold such a shock 
and help us go ahead of this pandemic. So obviously it's a very tough thing to do, but if we see it from a perspective that it can be implemented and how it benefits if an implementation takes place, there are all the more lots of reasons why this should happen and what would we get out of this. Okay, okay, okay. Hold up, Mustafa. So let's say we did do a universal basic income transfer. How much would it cost roughly? Yeah, so now that we've looked at the benefits of the implementation of a universal basic income framework in the country, let's also look at how it would actually look on paper if you have to make the numbers roll in. So on one hand in the country right now, we have 950 central welfare schemes and sub schemes, which account for about 5.7% of the total GDP. Now, if we have to rely upon the statistics of the economic survey, which was back in 2017, we were given a number back then, which was an amount of 7,620 for an average family of five. And if there would be a coverage of around 75% of the population in this program, the rough cost for implementing a UBI would be 4.9% of the total GDP. Another thing which we can look at to ease the implementation is that the top 20% of the population, the income earners, they can be made to go through an opt-out program or they can just not be included in the income transfer payroll. Keeping all this in mind, we can see that a rough idea, a rough figure is present. But in today's pandemic time, because of the inflation in the market and how the current scenario is, it is difficult to come to a concrete digit at this point in time. So yeah, we'll have to definitely rely upon what the economic survey told us back then in 2017. But apart from that, we can see that if 5.7% of our total GDP is going towards the existing welfare schemes, that could be replaced with this entire blanket scheme. But then there's another discussion which we can have at a later point in time. Like what? Well, if you have to talk about the social benefits of the universal basic income, one thing which we can see in the country right now is the presence of an immense income inequality and gender disparity. So in this largely patriarchal type society, men need men take care of the expenses and the households, they are the breadwinners. And if this scheme of a universal transfer is given out to citizens in the country, there is this entire case and this entire discussion of financial independence which comes up then. I just think inflation would go through the roof, man. I mean, it's too much transfer. There is too much demand. In India, we have last mile connectivity issues and if we stop the universal basic income transfer abruptly, the exit costs would be substantial. But uh, even after saying that, I can see why it would work, you know, because uh, with a universal basic income transfer, you have more social security, no risk of losing a roof for, uh, for some people. There is food, there is clothing, there is education, there is access to the internet. I mean, only when you multiply 7620 by 5 people in a house, 
that's the equivalent of like more than 35000 rupees a year so in rural aggregates it's a milestone right this much money but even for the urban aggregate and for a higher urban income it's a very credible backup or a very credible bonus so if the urban crowd really wants to keep it it can keep it in a bank or it can do an sip or a mutual fund if it really wants to make that money go the extra mile but um, i can see the appeal and i can see where you're coming from mustafa so uh, anyways man uh, really thank you to take out the time to talk with me and to do the podcast and uh, i think i also learned a lot and i shared some common ground with you at least on the opinion side of things well thank you sora for having me on the podcast it was a great pleasure to talk to you and discuss about this topic i would just say that there is still a lot that needs to be explored in this entire arena of universal basic incomes with respect to its practical implementations and executions so let's see how governments uh, around the world react to this concept especially the indian government and how they adapt and come with ideas in the due course of time i agree man uh, but regardless i would also like to take this opportunity to make our listeners aware of the petition which is being signed in the world to make the covid-19 vaccine a global common good hundreds of artists social activists former prime ministers presidents and nobel laureates from around the world have signed the petition to make the covid-19 vaccine a global common good a global common good essentially means that the covid-19 vaccine will be made universally available for free throughout the world be provided to all countries at a predetermined time frame that is in specific months so for example from november to december and a fair rate of return on investment will be determined for every single institution which is involved in the research for this vaccine so mustafa can you tell our listeners the link for this petition for more details on the same please visit www.vaccinecommongood.org and if you believe in this cause do go ahead and sign the petition uh so in full disclosure uh, i would like to tell our listeners that uh, the talk about uh, the global common good which i just made right now is not an advertisement but it is just something i stumbled upon while reading up the progress for the covid-19 vaccine as well so that's my time guys uh, if you like what you heard please subscribe to the frankly podcast so that you never miss a new episode when you subscribe it tells the algorithm that people really like this content and it recommends it to others please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and family for a clearer picture thank you for listening and see you on the next episode